Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Two verses of scripture, and then we'll pray. Colossians 3.16. The Bible says, let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Focus on the Right Things. Pray with me. God, thank you for your book. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be here. God, I thank you for my friend, Pastor Gene Dillon, Lord. I pray that you'd always bless him richly and fill him with your spirit, God. I pray now that you would anoint me to speak the words that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray that you would put your words and your thoughts in my mouth and in my mind. Teach us what you'd have us to know. Speak to us is my prayer from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to focus on the right things. Now, my sons and I, we watch a lot of sport. We watch uh, a lot of different kind of sports. But one of the sports that we really love is wrestling and boxing. And one, one of the commentators, what's the guy's name that says, it's time? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, that's Michael Buffer's brother, or it's Bruce Buffer's brother. One of those, one of those Buffer boys, before he announces the UFC, he, he said, it's time! And he, and he has the fighters come out and fight, and that's always so exciting. And as God gave me the message to this message, I thought, man, if I just had one of those buffers, boys, to come in here and say it's time. But I want you, listen, if you don't get anything else, get this. It's time. Look at somebody and say it's time. It's time to focus on the right things. So many people, listen, what is the focus of the news? Uh, let me help you. Uh, it, 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 it starts with H and ends with hurricane. What has been the focus of the news for the last few days? Hurricanes, Miami, uh, what's going on in the weather? If it's not Miami, it's gun violence. What, what was the focus in Texas? A shooting happened in Texas. I was telling the staff this morning when we got together to pray, uh, when, when y'all were on y'all's way driving in, and some of y'all were already here, that we need to pray for the people in Texas uh, lots of lives were affected. 21 people got shot. Five of them died. I got a text this morning from Elder Jimmy, who's in Chicago, uh, doing a little vacation, seeing his beloved Cubs play baseball. And he, he texted me this morning and said, Texas was a tragedy, but I'm sleeping in a city that had more people shot yesterday and more people died yesterday than died in Texas. And even in the city of Chicago, all the news is about Texas. This makes no sense, y'all. This makes no sense. What, something will happen in a city somewhere that never happens, it never happened before. But in one day in Chicago, more people were shot and died than what happened in that mass shooting, huge tragedy. And sure, it was a mass shooting. And sure, it was a huge tragedy. But how does Chicago continue to be go under? I looked at Chicago news. They are sending thoughts because, you know, they can't pray. Uh, but they're sending thoughts. Some of them can. Most of them don't. They're sending thoughts to the people. in People in Chicago, the mayor in Chicago is sending thoughts to the people in Texas. I think, well, that's sweet of you. But you had more people shot and killed in your own city yesterday and last weekend and the weekend before that. You, there's more people get shot and killed in Chicago in two months than all the mass shootings that happen around the country in an entire year. But all these things bombard us. All these things, even my knowledge of that bombards me. Your knowledge of the things, sports, entertainment, social media, the weather channel, all these things, bills, work, school, all these things fight for our attention and for our 
focus, and I want to tell you something before I even get into the message. I want you to hear four words that God told me to tell you this morning. Don't let fear control you. Did you hear that? Don't let fear control you. People freaking out about the hurricane. People freaking out about the economy. People freaking out about who's in the White House. People freaking out about what's going to happen. Listen, it's going to be what? That's it. It's going to be what it's going to be. And God knows what he's doing. And what he's doing this morning is speaking to us from his word. And I told you the title of this morning's sermon is it's time to focus on the right things. Because we live in a world where we're just overloaded with information. We live in a time where we know more than we've ever known, but we have less peace than we've ever had. Grandmama's generation was not as miserable as this generation. Our great-grandparents didn't need to take pills to go to sleep at night. One good reason is because they worked. I, I guess, it, you know, it probably takes a long time for some people to unwind after 19 hours of video gaming. It's hard to sleep after that. But there's so much information that we access now. We're smarter than we've ever been. We know more than we ever know. We have more information than we've ever had. Life is easier than it's ever been. Y'all, I know y'all get tired of me telling telling y'all you don't wash clothes. That machine does all that work. People used to wash clothes. People used to wash dishes. Now we push buttons and wait for it to be done. But we live in a day of convenience. We live in a day of information. We live in a day where we've got it better than people have ever had it. I'm telling y'all this. We, 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 we think there are people in this room that honestly in their heart believe that they're poor. And financially you might be struggling. But I can promise you this. And you can talk to Cedric or anybody else. You can talk to Henry. Anybody else that's traveled the world. And, and they'll let you know. The poor people in this city are richer than most of the people around the world. Listen, our people got a pack of cigarettes in their pocket, a new lighter in their pocket. They got a cell phone in their purse. They got, they got a television in their home. That is not poor. Well, it's poor to me. Well, it's better than any generation of people have ever had it, yet we still have misery, we have doom, we have gloom, we have anxiety. Every month they create a new disease to sell new drugs. Uh, you, you, you had to treat hyperactivity, then that didn't work, so you had to treat ADD, but that wasn't enough pills being sold, so you had to treat ADHD, XYZ, PM. Uh, my, my, my sons will tell you, that's just for kids. That, my, Jake told somebody yesterday, we were at his grandparents' house, we were over at Gail's mom and dad's house yesterday for several hours, and somebody said something about kids getting all juiced up on sugar and hyperactive. And sometimes kids would just be overly honest, right? You ever had one of those? Just tell the truth in front of people. And, and we're just sitting there, and, and we're eating, and a big, giant spread of food. And Jake just cleared his throat, swallowed hard, and said, I don't believe in any of that. That's just kids that weren't slapped around enough. And everybody looked at me like, uh, they're going to be calling HRS any minute. Is it HRS? A, whoever it is. And, and I, so I, we got all these different anxiety disorders, social anxiety disorders, phobias, um, and it's always something new. Listen, those things didn't even exist 20 years, 50 years ago. And it, it, could you imagine? Uh, because my, my whole family grew up on farms cotton farmers in Louisiana and living on dirt patches, walk, walking on hot gravel roads. Uh, you, none of those kids had an option. My mom came from a big family. If you're from Mississippi, Louisiana, you came, your parents came from a big family too. They, they kept having babies. Y'all know why they kept having them? So they could work. So it's, it's free labor. Uh, came from a big family. Could you imagine what, one of those 14 kids looking at mom or daddy at 4 o'clock in the morning saying, I don't think I can go out and feed up. Now, that's a real country term. If you don't know what it means to feed up, ask somebody that grew up on a farm. They say, I can't go out and feed up this morning because I feel anxious. They was about to get anxious and instructed. But we've got a different day and time now, and it, all these conveniences and all this knowledge and all this information thousand channels on your cable TV, 4,000 channels on your satellite radio, uh, just 
millions and millions of hours worth of nothing on the internet, but we've got everything going into our brain, and it's not all benefiting us, so we need to be very focused on doing the right thing. Say right thing. So let's look to his holy book, and let's see. Well, well hold on a second. As Christians, let me, let me set this up first. As Christians, who decides for us what the right thing is? All right, you got that right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you another chance to get involved in what God is doing because you need to get involved in your own spirituality today. The answer is God. The question I'll ask again, who decides for Christians what the right thing is? That's who decides. Now, God decides. Wouldn't it be cool if what God decides for us, the right thing for us to do is, wouldn't it be cool if there was a place where we could go to find out what those things are. Wouldn't it be awesome if like there was just one book that wrote down all the stuff that we needed to know that God had blessed us with? Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a holy and a living book breathed out by God himself that was perfect and true and right in all its way? Wouldn't it be exciting if we could just open that book up and hear what God says? Wouldn't that be cool? That book exists, and we need to get into that book this morning. Let me read verse 16 again from our text, Colossians chapter 3. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. I'm going to pull some things out of these two verses this morning. I'm going to give you some things to focus on. I want you to follow along and let the Lord speak to you. Uh, and get this message down in your heart. Some of you will let it hit your ears and flush right out. Some of you will think about it, let it hit your brain and think about it and maybe or maybe not apply it. I hope for people who will let this get all the way down on the inside of them and become the fabric of who you are. Let, let's think about first things first. Number one, it says, let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. So the first thing we need to do is... Let this message fill your lives. Now, if you've been around in Bible study, because we're a Bible church, you, you, you're going to understand some of these things. They're going to be familiar to you. But when the Bible says to let something happen, it infers that we could what? Not let it happen. There is a choice to be made here. I told you that screen was out, by the way. Y'all don't understand. Now, Pastor Gene knows what I'm talking about. Elder Keon, some of y'all that teach, some of y'all that preach, you know what I'm talking about. And for some of y'all that don't, I'll give you a peek in to what is this craziness up here. As I'm speaking, as I'm reading scripture, as I'm talking, I've got 9 to 14 conversations going on in my head at, at any one given time. I, I can be reading, I can be speaking, telling you a story, giving you an example. When I'm thinking, how many times is she going to pick her nose in front of this whole room. I can think about, are they wedgie digging again? They haven't even stood up yet. And I have all these different conversations going on in my head, so I just let that one out. I finally got tired of looking over there and seeing that screen's still out, that screen's still out, because we talked about it in staff meeting this week, and uh, I told her that screen was still out. And we, I said, well, either it's still out or I've, I've, I've lost my focus, and praise the Lord, it's still out, because we're staying, we're staying focused, right? until I run off on something about that screen. So we're looking over here. Let this happen. You can let it happen or you can't let it happen. There's a choice. Say choice. You need to begin to make the right choices so you can get the right things going on in your life so that you can be blessed by God. The Bible tells us we have all these stories for our examples so that we can learn by them. And if you'll do what the people did, you can have what the people have. Do the right activities that the right people did and you can be blessed by God the way they were and that's my desire for us but you've got to let this happen let what happen you got to let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives now if you've been around for more than a month you know I'm always going to tell you to pay attention to what pay attention to the punctuation when you read anything but especially the Bible you don't want to race through reading in the Bible you want to slow it down. You want to take it in bite-sized pieces so you can chew on it, digest it, get it into your spirit. And punctuation, there's some rules in punctuation. If you ever see anything bracketed by commas, that is just adding uh, 
emphasis or uh, information to what's already being said, and it can be taken out. So just for a minute, we're never going to take anything out of the Bible, but just let's look at it without. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Because it's bracketed by uh, commas, we could say grammatically for understanding, because the Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. We could say, let the message about Christ, what? Fill your lives. You've got to let the message about Christ fill your lives. Now, I wonder this morning, is your life filled with his message? Did you drive here this morning full on the message of Christ? Did you go to bed last night full on the message of Christ? All week last week, was your life full with the message of Christ? Now, we're not going to take out anything from the Bible because it's all uh Relevant, and God said not to remove any of it. So it says, let the message about Christ in all its richness. That's for people who try to gloss over this message. See, the message about Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, his perfect life, his virgin birth, his existence with the Father before this world began in eternity past, the message of Christ is huge, it's awesome, and it's amazing. So well, I'm not asking you to fill up on spinach. What's that? What's that? That's, oh, that's not a fruit. I don't eat fruit. Or what is it? It's a vegetable. It, I'm not asking you. To, what it, it's not spinach. What's that one? That's, Brussels sprouts. Oh, or cabbage. Now some of y'all that love cabbage, God bless you. But every time you make it, your house stinks for three days. You doubt me. Your nose quit working. I'm not asking you to fill up on poop-smelling cabbage. I'm not asking you to fill up. Listen, if you love cabbage, go and love cabbage. Don't, don't lose the point. Stay focused. I'm asking you, the Bible is commanding you to fill up on something that is glorious. Something that is awesome. Something that is amazing, but you've got to make a determination, and here it is. Do you want to be filled with his message? Do you find his message valuable enough to consume it on a daily basis? Do you find his message valuable and amazing enough to just let your mind, your thoughts, your heart, your soul, everything that you have just be baptized in this message some do but most don't but the bible tells us we got to let this happen that's talking about the willingness to obey what do we got to let happen we've got to let ourselves be filled now where it says fill here in in some other translations it says dwell inside you but in the original language this was written in in greek it gives the, the, the transliteration of to allow something to be inside you to the very fullest point. Now, I can tell you this. We had a, a, a staff a fellowship this weekend at Elder Jimmy and Nancy's house. Um, still talking about that great food, Nancy. We appreciate you having us over. And we left that place full. We knew we were full. We talked about how full we were. We, we had evidence that we were full because our bellies were bigger and we were talking about how full our bellies were. What am I telling you? If you are full on something, now, uh, if you're filled with something, if you're full on something, it is going to show. Say show. You might try to convince yourself that you are full of the message of Christ, but if it doesn't show then you are just deceiving yourselves. You can fill your mind with anything. Some of your minds are filled. Some of y'all know who's still on the survivor on the island. Some of y'all know who's in the Big Brother house. Some of y'all know what the top songs are right now in the top fashions. But do are you filled with the message about Jesus Christ? It, it's, it's a choice that takes effort. Say effort. To, to be full always, guess what you have to do? You got to keep eating. You got to keep filling. 
It's like I hear people say, oh, I meet people, and they're like, oh, Pastor Scott, praise the Lord. I enjoy service so much today. Uh, and I ask them, are, are you a Christian? Have you been born again? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm born again. I, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was filled with the Holy Ghost in 1973. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I, I pray that there was evidence to you being filled with the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something. If you got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1973 and you're living like flesh, hell, and the devil right now, you are not full of the Holy Ghost. Can five people say amen to that? You got to, the Bible says, be being filled with the Spirit of God. You've got to constantly, it's like my navigator. I can, my navigator was full of gas yesterday. Guess what? That ain't going to last. It ain't full today. And if I go one more day on it, it's going to be out of gas. Because that thing has to be filled up a lot. Now, you might drive a Prius. You might drive an electric car. You might, you might drive a little ying, ying, ying scooter vest, but it gets 100 miles a gallon. But that gas tank will drain out, too. Doesn't matter how long you, you, you drain, how quickly you drain out. To be full, you have to constantly, don't miss this, constantly be filling up. And that's why you need to invest in your spirituality as often as you can. That's why you need to have daily quiet time with the Lord. That's why you need to stay feasting on this book. Jesus said that this word and doing what this word says was food for your soul. So there's a way to get full, but we got to make that choice and we got to continually fill our lives with his message. Now, if I asked you how uh, cabbage tastes, some of y'all like cabbage. That's, all, that's odd to me. Uh, some of y'all like Brussels sprouts. That's even weirder. Uh, but some of y'all don't don't like candy, and that's strange too. Uh, mo most most people like cake, but everybody doesn't. But if I ask you what you like to fill up on, ev everybody's got different things, and that's what they value. But I want to ask you before you leave here today: Do you value filling up on God? Do you value the message of God enough to consume it until you're full? Hand to God, I am never going to eat some things until I'm full. I, I might eat it just out of being polite. Uh, you know, basically I just stirred around. The, I'm telling all my tricks. Basically I just stirred around on the plate make you think I ate it. There's certain things I just, I, I don't value enough to fill up on them. But I do value the message of Jesus Christ value enough to fill up on it. And I hope you do too. Let's look at the second thing. Put the verses on, on the screen for me, Deacon Mike. Uh, right out of this message, it tells us, let the message of Christ and all its riches fill your lives. Then it goes on to say, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. So the second thing I want us to talk about this morning, right from that verse, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Here's what you got to see. We are commanded to teach each other. We are commanded to counsel each other. The professional church model has created lazy Christians. In the first century, they understood that everybody, it was everybody's mission to go out. Y'all heard Pastor Gene talk about going out winning souls. Some of y'all don't even know what that means. Some of y'all think, well, it's the preacher's job to go out and win everybody to Jesus. It's the preacher's job to go out and teach. Listen, sure, that's a part of the, the, the preacher's job. But we are all called to be ministers. We are all called to be soul winners. We are all called to do what this book tells us to do. And the professional church model, especially in Western civilized countries, especially in America, people just want to sit back and let the pastor study all week long and, and get their only spiritual food from the pastor and, and just send people to the church. Listen, if somebody, I, I've told you all this for years, if somebody asks you, can they get $2? Don't send them to the church if you have $5 in your pocket. There are things that we as believers should be doing, not just leaving up to the professionals. We all have a call on our life, and the Bible commands us here to teach and counsel each other. But there is a requirement there. Teach and counsel each other is a command. That's two things, teach and counsel but you just can't be teaching any old thing. You just can't be counseling any old thing. 
The Bible says to have the tongue of the learned, you got to have the ear of the learned. You had to listen to God to have something to really teach people. So even though we're all commanded to teach and counsel each other, we're all not qualified. And if you're not living anything, then you're not definitely not capable of teaching anything. And if you're not learning anything, you can't teach anything. So... We've got to teach and counsel each other, but we've got to do it with this qualifier on it. And how to do it is with the wisdom that he gives. That H should be capitalized. The wisdom that God gives. We counsel each other with godly wisdom. We teach each other godly truth. Now, if I started with Carmelita right now, and I worked my way all the way around to the back to Stacy, and I said, what are you teaching people about God? Bam, go. Now, some of y'all wouldn't hesitate. Some of y'all just good at lying. <laughs> Pastor Scott, I'm teaching my children every day to be prayer warriors. But they don't see you pray. Let me keep moving because some of y'all mad already. We've got to teach and counsel each other. That's the command. You need to be teaching me. This is why smart people understand, live, and believe that they can learn something even from their own children. You can be taught stuff uh, from any source, but in this command, they have to be teaching you the, with the wisdom that God gives. I want you to understand, you have a command from God to go out and teach your sphere of influence, your, your, your circle of influence, your world. You've got a command from God to go out and teach and counsel those people with the wisdom that God gives. Your voice is important. You have something to say, but it has to come from this book because this is where we find the wisdom of God. Proverbs, here's the thing. Understand about teaching folk, though. There's trouble. Say trouble. Proverbs 9, 8. You hear me talk about this a lot. It says, don't bother correcting mockers. They'll only hate you. But correct the wise, and they will love you. This is why, and nobody knows this as good as, as, as Pastor Gene, uh, phony people get mad and leave church, don't they? Hateful people get mad. Unsaved people that ain't in it to win it. They just, they'll hear truth. One time, and they'll say, well, that's good because they think you're talking about somebody else. But as soon as they think you're trying to correct them, they'll get mad and they'll leave. Why? Because if you correct the wrong kind of person, they're just going to hate you. So be ready. What did Jesus tell his followers? Don't, don't be shocked if they hate you. They hated me first. It's not you that they hate. It's the Jesus in you that they hate. It's that word of correction that they hate. Because evil people and Immature people don't like to be corrected. Smart people want correct. Smart people need, desire, and accept correction. Smart people want you to tell them when they're walk going in the same way. Now, let me just be transparent because I tell you all all the time, my life is an open book. Men as a rule, when it comes to certain things, or the women are thinking many things, when it comes to certain things, we're not that wise. You be you, I'm just telling you about me. Because even with GPS, if my GPS says recalculating at, at the next available spot, make a U-turn. If I don't feel that in my manliness, I, no, it ain't right. I got this. Turn that thing off. I know where I'm going. There are few, if any, now only in a rare situation. Maybe you did this one time, but you know it was a rare situation. Because the average man is not asking anybody for directions, especially the people in his own car. I, got, I know where I'm going. And, 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 and your family can say, but we've been around this same block three times. Enjoy the scenery. I know where I'm going. Don't, what? Well-intending wife could say, baby, I think we're supposed to turn left back there. Woman, I know where I'm going. I'm driving it. Who's driving this thing? I make the payments. And then we're all off onto a whole different speech right now. We all should accept the right instruction. 
Go ahead and be wise enough to learn. Don't be this foolish person. One, one, one translation says, if you correct a foolish person, they'll hate you. But if you correct a wise person, they will love you. Verse 9 goes on to say, instruct the wise and they'll be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. I've had people tell me, Pastor Scott, the message is just so hard. I can only come about once a month. And then I go to my church uh, for motivation and encouragement. I said, oh, you go to your church because they make you feel good about being sinful. You, you, don't, you don't ever get correction over there. So you come for a spoonful of medicine once a month, two times a year. Uh, that puts you in a category biblically. If you don't like correction, listen to some of y'all kids. Y'all don't listen to mom and daddy. Y'all won't do what mama and daddy tell you to do. You ought to get a T-shirt. You can get a tattoo if you want one. Get it across your forehead that says, I'm too foolish to do what mama tells me. Or just shorten it up if you want bigger letters. If you want a nice big tattoo, just get one that says fool. See, I was there. I was a teenager one time. Pastor Jane and I went to Edway High School at the same time together. Didn't know each other until years later, which is a good thing because we were both unsaved then and we wouldn't have, have the same relationship. But listen, when, when, when I was growing up, I was the textbook definition of a, of a fool. And I believed all those things y'all believe about your parents. My mom just won't let me have any fun. She, she hates me. She hates me. Oh, she hates me. She don't like my friends. She told me my kid hang around with my bestie, best, bestie. Your mama knows your bestie, best, bestie's a hoe. Your mama's trying to keep you off the pole. Trying to help you. She hates me. Oh, she hates me. Little, 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 little 12 to, to, to 20-year-old boys, 30-year-old boys, however long you live at home. I don't live at home that long. It's a message there. Uh, my, my mom hates me. My, my, my daddy hates me. He won't let me hang out with Ray Ray Pookie or Ice Pick. trying to keep you off the corner. Ray Ray Pookie and them ain't meaning you no good. You're going to end up in jail with Ray Ray Pookie and them. Ice Pick. TT. John John. That's just immature and foolish to think that someone's giving you wise instruction and you, you, you feel like it's hateful. No, it's helpful. There are hard words in this book. There, there are words that are difficult to live by. There, there are things in this book that sometimes you won't be able to say amen to. You can only say ouch to. But it's true, and it's helpful. And wisdom would demand that you do what the book says so that you can teach others to do what the book says. Now, it says that we've got to teach and instruct. Put the, put the verse back on the screen for me, Mike. The Colossians verse. I think it's verse 17. Thank you. It, maybe 16. There it is, middle of the screen. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Um, we got to teach and counsel each other, but we got to do it with the wisdom that he gives. And as you study the Bible, all the parts of the Bible will make more sense to you. The more you study the Bible, you, the more you see how much the Bible works together. That's why the scripture says that you have to rightly divide it. You have to take all these pieces like a puzzle and put them in the place that they go. And the Bible, as you read it, it explains itself. And in James chapter 3, verse 15, the scripture tells us that there's a wisdom that comes from above and there is a wisdom that comes from the earth. Now, the majority of what is being taught in large churches today, and even in small churches, churches around the world, the majority of the wisdom that is being taught is worldly. It's secular. It's feel-good. It's humanism. It's voodoo. And that's why you have people standing up, uh, and I see it on Facebook all the time. Just, like, Stop sending me stuff on Facebook that says, I declare this is the day where all your blessings will come true. I'm thinking, oh, well, it's got to happen because you said it. No, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that sometimes the valley is the best place for me to grow. 
Sometimes the skin knee teaches you the best lesson. And we've got to move past what is being said by the large preachers, your favorite preacher. Look past anything I say that's earthly and find only wisdom from above, say above. So we got to teach and we got to counsel each other, but we've got to do it with heavenly wisdom that God gives. The next part of our text verse goes on to say, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankful hearts. So this is a command, say command. It's not optional. Some people treat the commands in the Bible like they're optional. These are not optional. These are commands. It says to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now, this command's easy for some people because some people just love to sing. Uh, Gail loved to sing uh, privately. She doesn't like to sing publicly because she, she wasn't any better of a singer than I am, and I'm not a good singer. I just don't mind singing loud because it's instructionary. Let y'all know, if I can sing loud with a bad voice, you can too. She wouldn't sing loud in church, but when she would get in the shower, she would belt it out, and she would use her thumb as a microphone. That's one of the most cutest memories I have in my mind is, is my naked wife singing in the shower into her thumb. And listen, some of y'all like to sing in the shower. Some of y'all like to sing in the car. Uh, some of y'all like to sing all the time until you get to church and we tell you to sing and you're like, what time are we getting out of here? Listen, I've already had people tell me, now, Pastor, you know all, all this hour's worth of preaching. Uh, football, NFL is back, uh, and we got 1 o'clock games. Uh, that game's going to be on. I, I promise you I'll get you out of here before the final score. And if you got to go, just go. But some people like to sing, and that makes singing easy for them. There are other people that really don't like to sing. They just don't. Now, singers don't understand that. They don't get that. But there are people that are more prone from a personality standpoint. They, they love to sing. But this command is not just for people who enjoy singing. This command is for everyone. Everyone who names the name of Christ. If you call yourself a Christian, listen to me well. You must sing. Three people agree with me. If you claim to be a Christian, you have to open up your mouth and sing. No matter how on key or off key it is, no matter how pitchy it is, no, ma no matter how many of the words that you don't know, no matter if it's your favorite song or the song that you hate the most, the Bible says that you have to sing. So don't think that you get a hall pass, be like, well, I, I just would rather spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. Well, I would just rather study because I'm intellectual. Spend time with your intellectual study. But you must sing, say sing. Now, it tells us three different types of singing, and I did, I've done too much reading on these three different things. Look at what they are. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And you can read a lot of commentary on what is the difference between a psalm and a hymn. What is the difference between a hymn and a spiritual song? But one of the theologians that I, I respect, uh, uh, a, man, a man named, his last name is Clark, he said this, and I thought, now, now that right there, I believe, is probably the best commentary I've ever read on the difference between psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I wrote it down as I want to read it for you. He said, we can scarcely say what is the exact difference between these three expressions. Do you understand what he's saying? Here, let, me, let me give that to you in 2019, uh, North Florida. We don't know what the difference is. And theologically, all the commentary on that that separates those, these words are too closely tied in expression and in the original language to make solid differences between them. These are all songs that give glory to God that we're commanded to sing. And he goes on uh, in his commentary that I didn't write down for you to say it's about one thing we can be sure of, even though we can't make definitive statements about what the exact difference is between a psalm and a hymn. I know you think you can, uh, but that's why I read Clark. Uh, he said, what we do understand is there is a difference, okay? There is variety. There's more than one type of song that you can honor God with. 
See, some people like certain types of music. Some people like other types of music. My question to you is, are the songs that you're listening to giving God glory? Because I can't, I can't say, now I, you know, if you know me, you know I don't like southern gospel music. It's too twangy, hillbilly for me, and I'm as country as a chicken foot. If I don't like it, I don't know where they found all these millions of people that like it. I mean, if you love that, then pray. Jesus sat on the mountain. Yes, he did. Jesus drank from the fountain. That's just not my, that, that ain't me. Okay? But, hey, if they're singing about Jesus, glory to God. But what about the songs that you're singing? Do they glorify God? See, it's not all about how twangy it is or how much that bass is dropping. The song can be twangy. The song can have bass dropping in it. But does it glorify God? We are commanded to sing songs. If, if I went down the road right now, if I started with the Wyatts and worked all, my way all the way back to Carol, if I said, what songs are you singing right now? Now, all you kids, anybody in here under 35, I can snatch your cell phone from you pull up your playlist. Now, how many people think, just the random people in here, uh, y'all see some of these young people in here, let's just go ahead and get on them so they, they'll hate me forever. Immature people hate wisdom. Hopefully, these, these young people are mature. What, how many of y'all believe if we took the, the playlist of some people in this room right now under 35 and we plugged it in, if Elder Keon and Deacon Mike plugged that in to the soundboard, how many of y'all think we probably really don't want to hear every playlist that's in it? Mm? Uh-huh. These kids are like, I don't care. Play my playlist. Deal with that. Mm. I already talked about you earlier. We're going to keep moving. Sing. Say sing. Start singing to God. You'll never be all that God wants you to be if you're not daily singing to God. You will never be fully in obedience to God if you are not singing to Him every day. I love what, what one theologian said. We're asking the wrong question. When people ask, well, can I listen to hip-hop? Can I listen to country? Can I listen to rap? Can I listen to rock? Can I listen to top 40? Can I listen to pop? Uh, can I listen to techno? Can, can I listen to all these different forms? He said, that's the wrong question to be asking. In, in, in a one-life scenario, you only have one life to live. You only have 24 hours in a daytime. The question should, shouldn't be how much bad music can you listen to and God still smile on you. The question is, since you only have a limited amount of time in a day to listen to music, why aren't you listening to the music that most glorifies God? And it doesn't matter what the beat is behind the music, but you need to be singing something to God every day that brings Him glory. Some people touch you about their music. We're going to keep moving on. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So the fourth thing, if you're taking notes this morning, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see two things in this. Command two, we saw teaching counsel were two things in one phrase. Here we see two things too, do and say. Everything you do and everything you say, you should do it and say it as a representative of the Lord. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are his ambassadors. An ambassador is someone who goes out specifically not representing themselves. That you go out not representing who you are, you go out representing who your king is, or your president, or your prime minister, or your governor, or whoever assigns you the role. For Christians, we are his ambassadors. When you get up, you are on a mission to represent him properly. And I'm here to tell you, according to the word of God, everything you say is a representative of who you believe God is. It's good or bad. If the words coming out of your mouth are bad, you're still a representative of God. You're just a bad representative of God. If, if, every, if what you do, that's a representative of God. But it's a bad representative or it's a good representative of God. But the Bible says that everything we say and everything we do, we need to do it as a representative of the Lord. Because we represent Him everywhere. And that's the reason why, number one reason why people say they won't come to church is because of the hypocrite. 
One, one preacher said it this way, most people won't come to church because they already came to church. And they didn't like what they saw. They didn't like in the lives of the people what they saw. And, and listen, that's no reason not to come to church. I already told y'all, you don't go to church because all the hypocrites. You go to Winn-Dixie. You go to Publix. You, you, you go to a restaurant. They're all filled with hypocrites too. But the problem is people, unsaved people, know people who claim to be Christians that don't live right. And then they say, I don't want nothing to do with that religion. Listen, remember, you represent God with everything that comes out of your mouth, with every action you speak. Now, uh, uh, with, with every action you do and every word you speak. I speak a lot in this pulpit around the country. I speak as either a pastor or a business motivational leader. I speak on stages around the country uh, most of the time throughout the week doing business and motivational things and Sundays and Wednesdays preaching the Word of God. But when I stand up here, I'm not representing the Becker family crest. I'm not representing who I am as a man. I'm not representing my personal thoughts, opinions, or agenda. I understand with deep conviction and fear and reverence that when I speak to you from this pulpit, I am representing the one true living God. That, but that doesn't just happen when I speak here. When I speak to the person who rings up my order at Burger King, I'm still representing the one and the true living God. We negotiated the other day. You know me and the boys go out to eat every night because we don't keep food in the house. So we're negotiating. Well, one of them came up with a plan to go eat somewhere that we have already put on the do not return list. You got to build that list. You deal with these, these people, these restaurants, these, these different types of food. Uh, and we had long ago put Wendy's on the eh, eh list. Food's good. I ain't mad at the food. The service is just horrible. So we decided to go to Wendy's, and, you know, the, 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 every experience we've had at the Oakleaf Wendy's was just a train wreck. So we said, well, let's just drive up to Argyle, and let's just go to the one closer to Blandy. And wow, mistake. Everything, well, two of the three orders that we ordered weren't just a little off. I'm not saying like they forgot to take pickles off. I'm talking about the entire wrong meal altogether. Just nothing like even close to what we ordered. And I saw, oh, okay, well, they gave me back too much change. I gave them the, the, the right, I gave them what they asked for, but I gave them uh, in bigger denominations, and they gave me back $7 when they was only supposed to give me back $2. And I'm like, okay, well, I, you know, some of y'all, some of y'all were bad theology. You're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Holy Ghost, bless me with $5. Nope. That's when you got to go back up to the register and let them know, hey, I can't leave. And I told them, I, I, I can't leave here with y'all's money. Uh, the girl that rang me up uh, gave me back way too much change. I said, but also... Um, you know, we, we ordered a double and got charged for a triple. We ordered this sandwich and got that sandwich. So uh, my fastest calculation is uh, I owe you $5, and you owe me about $4.40. And, and, and the lady looked at me, go on, just keep that. <laughs> now, you know that's not her restaurant, and that's not her money. Go on, just keep that. Just go and keep that. I said, well, if you want to ring it all up, refund me the money, and then ring it up right, I'll pay you, and you don't even have to change how bad you messed up my... God, just go on and just keep that. <laughs> now, one of my kids had already told me, Dad, just don't go up there and complain. They just try to give them that money back. They're never going to figure out how to put it back in the register. They, they don't care about $5. They don't even care about that. Uh, you're just going to cause a scene. Uh, it's going to be a train wreck. Now you're going to just embarrass me. Uh, I, so I'm not leaving here with stolen money. Oh, did God bless me? Did, did they even give me too much change? Back? No, you're stealing money from the owner. But at that point, go and just keep that. Whatever. You didn't even give me the sandwich I ordered. I'm just keep that. 
Why would I go up there and go through what I knew was going to be hoops and harassment? Because I represent the Lord Jesus Christ who would not steal from Wendy's hamburgers. Realize everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you do is a representative. Even when I speak on stages to business leaders, I'm not just representing me and my thoughts. I'm representing the person who's paying me to get up there and talk. Could you imagine? Now, I wasn't paying Pastor Gene, but I invited him on stage to come up and talk. Could you imagine if he just came up and said, well, I'm just so excited about the NFL season this year and, and just went on a, on a football rant and never mentioned God, never mentioned. That would have been a gross misrepresentation. Now, he wouldn't do that, but listen, he knew, he knew when he came up, he knew when he walked in the building, drove on the property. When he left his house this morning, he knew he was representing God with the way he drove his car. These people crack me up. We do not have church bumper stickers for a reason. Get behind me if you want to. I drive slow everywhere I go. Y'all frustrate you. I don't want a speeding ticket. I haven't had a single ticket since 1995, last time I got a ticket. And I'm not planning on ever getting another ticket because I don't like what it does to my money. And I have to represent God by obeying the laws of the land. But some of these people... It'd be like whatever, whatever certain church on the back of it, and they pass me. I'm doing the speed limit. They pass me like I was chained to a stump. Little, these little tiny window decals. Uh, one marketing group convinced the world, make it really small so people have to concentrate and focus on it. They'll remember it longer. You make it too small, old folk can't read it. But if they pass me, uh, the dot TV, you know you're a hipster when you got dot TV on your church website. And pass me with that little thing, and I know for sure, because this was on the interstate. I was doing 70. I know they were doing at least 100. They, they almost had me doubled up. I'm thinking, I wonder if your pastor knows you got that church the decal on your window, then it hit me. That might be the pastor that tips the church running 100 miles an hour on I-10 West. You represent God with your actions and with the words you speak. Fifth thing, we'll get out of here. The verse goes on to tell us, fifth and last point, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, those words are right out of the verse. We're not going to put the verse back on the screen because I want this slide to be up. But those words are right out of the text. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, who is the him in this verse? Jesus. Giving thanks through him. Talking about Jesus. Giving thanks through Jesus to God the Father. So, giving thanks through him. Who's the him? Who do we give thanks to? All right. You want your prayers to be biblical? You pray to God. Through Jesus. You thank God through Jesus. But I've told you for years, you really want to get a good start. You want to get a good start on having a thankful heart. Here's what you need to do. You need to replace all of your mindless phrases. Mindless phrases. That's just things you say when you can't think of anything else to say. Uh, and um, uh, and uh, um, uh, uh, Or some of your repetitive phrases like, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And you just say these things with no thought to them at all, which is blasphemous, by the way. We can preach that a different time. But you need to get your, your thought phrases and your repetitive phrases down to two words. Uh, three words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You need to get a thank you, Jesus mindset that comes out of your mouth. How many times in the course of the day do you just say out loud, thank you, Jesus? The Bible commands us to give thanks to God through his son. How many times do you say, thank you, Lord, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God? If you grew up in a good church, if you grew up in a great church, if you grew up in a high praise and worship church, you had Sister Mary Lou Jenkins. And Sister Mabel... Uh, Sister Shonda, she was, she was usually sitting somewhere in the middle so everybody could hear, but she was going to get it in. And, and thank you, thank you, oh, yay, hey, 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 thank you, 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 Jesus, thank you, Jesus, hey, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, hey, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody remember my sister like that? That didn't feel good. But. 
Thank you. Dude, that would have broke back. I've had to preach from here now. I had tears in my eyes when I started. I got tears in my eyes now. You need to get a thank you, Jesus spirit. You need to get thank you, God, in your mouth for everything. Something bad happens. Thank you, God. Look on the bright side. Now, see, I hate traffic. That's why I don't like Blanding or 103rd Street. Wrecks all the time. I see a wreck. First thing I'm thinking is I hope nobody's hurt. Second thing is they need to clear that out because I got places to go. But what I should be thinking is, thank you, God, that it wasn't me. Thank you, God, that, that the people that live through that live through that. You know, there are real Christians right now. There are real Christians in, in islands in the Caribbean that are having their whole houses blown over, but they still give God thanks for life. There are real Christians living in Puerto Rico and other places around the world that, that went over a year without electricity but still were able to wake up in the morning and say, thank you, God, for letting me be alive. Roofs torn off the house. No electricity. Still able to say, listen, let me ask you this in closing. Can you thank God for what you have? Let me tell you who can't. People who think that God owes them more than they're getting. So I want you to decide this before we leave. Has God been good to you? We say that in church. That's the right answer. If he's been good to you, start telling him thank you. See, some people really don't believe he's been good to you. Some people are waiting. Well, well, I just be glad when the Lord give me my promotion. I, uh, you don't work hard enough to get a promotion. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're, maybe you're right where you're supposed to be. If you can't thank God through the difficult times, you don't really love him enough to thank him on the mountaintop. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. Good days, bad days, happy days, sad days. Your mouth ought to continually be thanking God. Give thanks to God. I want you to get it in your mind, what I tell people all the time for my own life. Because I, I mean, my back is hurting. I got things going on in my life always, it seems like. But my constant expression has been, and it will continue to be. He's been better to me than I deserve. He's done more for me than I could have ever asked him to do. And he did that on Calvary. If he never did anything other than what he did on Calvary, I'm going to thank him every day of my life. If my back never gets better, I'm going to thank him every day of my life. If my situations never improve, I'm always going to have thank you, Jesus, in my mouth because he has been better to me than I could have ever Ask him to be. So five things that we got to focus on. You got to feel, teach, sing, represent, and give. I want you to leave this morning thinking about these things. You got to fill up your mind with, 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 with God. You got to teach everybody about his message. You got to sing to this great God. Find some style of music that honors God. Get rid of all that foolishness. Uh, listen, and here's the thing. That stuff gets stuck in your mind. I have people tell me, well, Pastor Scott, I just don't have a good memory like you. I can't memorize all those scriptures. But you can finish every phrase of any song I wanted to sing to you. You got four billion songs recorded in your head, but you can't remember 25 scriptures. It's not a problem with your memory. It's a problem with your input. You got to start inputting scripture into your mind. You got to start getting the word into your mind. So sing the word. Find songs that sing about God because the reality is every the mind doesn't forget. You might think you're forgetful. It's still in there somewhere. You're just having trouble recalling it. Don't waste your time filling your head full of songs that don't honor God. They'll be clouding your judgment forever. Sing songs that honor God. Represent God in a way that honors God. You, 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 you got to... You got to give. You you got to give thanks to him. You got to be constantly giving thanks to him. We 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 all come from different backgrounds. We all have different talents. We all have different abilities, but we can all give thanks to God. Can you agree with that this morning? Hallelujah. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for your truth. 
and your spirit. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd fill us with your spirit, that you would let us receive your word with gladness, God. I pray that we would represent you well as we leave this place. Father, I pray that we would continue to feed on your word so that we would be full with the message of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for each person in this room that's unsaved, Lord. I pray that you would draw them by your spirit, God, for every Christian in the room. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a sense of urgency to go out and tell people about your amazing love. God, help us to represent you the way we should. Let us love you and each other the way you've commanded us to is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.